Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Diego, what's up, dude? We have a really cool story today. We have Trista, who's farming over how many acres did she say? I can't even remember anymore. Like, it's like two one eight hundred and one three hundred. It's freaking crazy. Like it's a huge amount of land, but she's investing in. Uh, she's got a car wash. She's got long term rentals. She's got a whole business going on. This is a fun podcast because she goes into like thirty thousandth of view of each one of those. So make sure you listen to the end so that you can hear all of the aspects of her business. Yeah, one of the things that I really liked is how she shares the story of when she went to college, her her and her mom were able to buy three houses so that she could house hack and then sold them and then bought back in her city. So that that strategy was was really cool. I agree 100% like taking the finances around with you and since real estate moves slow, like you're able to do that. Something that I did as well, I bought in college, I bought a six unit and then I came back to Nashville and bought here. So it's an awesome story. I can't wait to you guys hear it. Um, let's get started. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. That was funny because I always do the clap to start the podcast, but Diego did it this time and it was flawless. Trista, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and all that fun stuff. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. Um, my name is Trista Brown Priest, and I am from Southwest Kansas. My Family and I um, feed cattle here, so our main source of income and our job is to farm. Um, but we also do a little bit of real estate investing. We've got uh, five long-term rentals here in our local area, as well as our small hometown car wash. Um, but in the last six months or so since I've joined Rat Race, I've really been focused on passive investing and have done quite a few syndications. Very Ooh. cool. Well, that's a lot to unpack, so we're definitely going to get into that. But like you said before the podcast started, let's take it back to the beginning because I'm sure you didn't grow up thinking, I can't wait to join Rat Race and, and get passive income. Most people do. No, I'm just kidding. But tell us about who you were in high school and what you did, what, what uh, activities you were in and what were you involved in? Yeah, so um, our business, we feed cattle to um, from about 800 pounds or 600 pounds until they're ready to be made into meat. And it's been my family's company. It was started by my grandpa in 1978. So working here at the feed yard has always been a big part of my life. Um, we worked here. I mean, I've worked here ever since I could work. Um, but I'm from a really small town. So I graduated with 19 kids in my class. And in a town that small, you don't have to be good at anything to do everything. Um, so my best friend and I were, high, were president of every club. We were captain of every sports team. Um, yeah, so there, there really weren't clicks in our high school. It was just, you know, just the 19 of us hanging out. Yeah. Wow. So I wonder if I would have still been an eagle or a penguin in a class of 19, Diego. <laughs> Probably. We, we still have both know. categories, but it, oh. <laughs> it was a little bit easier to tell who was who. Oh, it was no. easier to tell. That's so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're basically brothers and sisters with your whole class, you know who's a penguin um, pretty oh, early on. <laughs> oh, for those that man. are not listening, or for those who don't know what that is, Diego, 30 seconds, tell the penguin story. All right. So basically, when Felipe was in, high, was in school, they would put if you wouldn't excel as fast they would label the teacher would label the kids as a penguin because it couldn't fly right and then the people that 
would get good grades from that perspective. They were the Eagles. So then Felipe would one one day ask me, hey, Fel hey Diego, would you, do you ever think that we would have been friends in high school? And I told him, no, but not in a sarcastic or funny way. I just told him we wouldn't be in the, in the same classes because he was a pinwin in school and I was an eagle. So, but it works out. Friend. It works out. <laughs> Trista, what a terrible friend. Okay, so you, were, you come from a small... Uh, high school, 19 people. Um, what does everyone do after that? Like, I always wonder in those small towns, what do people do after high school if they don't go to college? Or, you know, how was it in your town? Yeah, I'd say about half of us went to went to college afterwards. A handful went to, um, to trade schools. Um, but then the others, you know, a lot of us started working when we were young and they just kept working afterwards. Um, Got it. In Southwest Kansas, we have a huge um, Hispanic population. And so, you know, quite a few of them, you know, we started with nine, we started with 22, I think. And then, you know, after Quinceanera, sometimes they don't come back. So um, <laughs> yeah, quite a few just started their real life after high school. That's interesting. Southwest yeah. Kansas, there's a large Latino population. Is it uh, for labor? Is it, the, what is, uh, what is the large population doing there? Yeah, mostly we, um, this region is really well known for agriculture. And okay. so there's a lot, um, you know, I guess agriculture probably started bringing everybody here and then um, just stayed because I mean, all of our restaurants are Mexican restaurants or um, so there's a yeah, we're very familiar with the culture. Oh, that's awesome. OK, so high school um, 19, you got out. What happened next? College. What was the next steps for Trista? Well, so that's kind of where the joke starts. So when I was when I was 18, I was never coming back to this terrible place. Right. Like I'm going to go live in some city and do some amazing job. and. Uh, yeah, joke was on me. So I went to college and graduated in 2008 and, mm -hmm. um, look, you know, applied and interviewed for jobs. Well, I didn't interview. I applied for jobs for four months and couldn't even get an interview in that time. Right. Um, but luckily, uh, there was a place here for me. So I came back and realized that it wasn't actually so terrible. And I've been here ever since. Nice. Really? Well, what I, did, did you go to school I guess for? I did a brief, um, I did go to grad school a few years after um, undergrad. So I have an MBA, uh, but then I came right back after MBA as well. Mm, got it. Cool, cool. How, um, how have you applied some of the MBA stuff on the agriculture business with, with your family? I wish that I would have um, been a little more choosy about which MBA program I went into. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Kansas State and I love the school, no, no complaints, but, um, you know, we did a lot of like Harvard Business Review, like Fortune 500 type studying. And let's be honest, nobody in that class is going to run a Fortune 500 company. I wish I would have picked like a small or family business um, type MBA program. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I still use all that. I mean, still, you know, need to learn how to read financial statements and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I think a better program would have been a, a different program would have been a better fit for me. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So what happened after after college? Just a, you got to college, uh, went back, got your MBA. You came back to your little small town. What happens next? Um, so I guess I sh um, since this is a real estate deal, I should have talked about this while I was in college in 2006. I started house hacking before that was a thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm definitely not some genius or anything, but uh, yeah, just kind of happened into it. I bought a house. I was in a sorority. I bought a house outside the house and um, always had roommates that helped pay for things. Um, so we ended up, by the time I graduated college, my mom is my partner on the real estate and she and I owned three properties there in our college town. Um, 
yeah, and then I came home. Um, I had met my husband while I was in grad school, came home um, a few years later, you know, we started having kids and didn't make it up to um, my college town all that often anymore. And so we ended up selling those and buying houses, um, long-term rentals here in our local market. Um, I wish I would have known more about long distance investing um, at the time because there's a lot more appreciation in our college market than there is here. Uh, but live and learn. What are you going to do? It's too late now. Yeah. So question, what was, so as you, as you were in college, what was that conversation or like, when did you realize that you can be like, Hey mom, let's partner up on a deal so that I can live with roommates for free. Like, what was that conversation? Um, I don't know. I guess it was something that my cousins had done, um, when they were in school. So it wasn't something completely foreign to us, like as a family, um, and then I didn't, I didn't work full time when I was in school or anything like that. So it was just a way to not have to ask my parents for money all the time, to be honest. Yeah, that's I cool. Love it. That's cool. Cause there's a lot of people that like, I wish that I knew about that when I went to FSU so that I could just ask m my mom or my dad and be like, Hey, let's buy a house. Let me rent it out to roommates. Let's sell it afterwards or, or whatever. Right. But just to get that opportunity. Uh, because it would have appreciated, we, we, we might have been able to depreciate the house too and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, cause I yeah, feel like that is a the whole great... family. It could have helped you with cash flow, and it would have helped them with taxes and all the other benefits. Exactly. Exactly. Well, cool. So then you sold those properties, you went back and then you repurposed that money into more long-term rentals. Yeah. And we actually 1031 exchanged those. Um, that was, so that was my first time doing any of those, but we, so we sold three there and we were able to buy six here cause the houses are just, um, cheaper here. Got it. Got it. And what was that cash flow difference or like what, what did those investments, those six help you help you attain? From that perspective yeah we um that was one thing i was really wanting to get out of rat race and and i have gotten it at the beginning was just trying to evaluate you know how well our portfolio is performing we have never taken any cash flow out of the business um so just making sure that it's not kind of on the back burner and that we're not just losing money and not even knowing about it so that's mm -hmm. one thing I've really had to focus on this last year is kind of making sure that I'm running my numbers correctly and that we we are making the best decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really important. Do you take time um, like monthly or something or quote quarterly to analyze those um, like either the bank statements or whatever? We do. Yeah, our accounting our account accounting team that works here at the feed yard also does um, our real estate business. And so we run monthly financials um, to evaluate that. Cool. cool. That's cool. Tell me, I'm curious a little bit more about your farm. What's going on there? What is, how does that work? Um, I don't think we get a lot of real estate investors that also have a farm or that, that do that as a business. Can you kind of give us a 30,000 foot view of how that works? Sure. So um, we are a custom cattle feeding business. And so that means we take care of other people's cattle. Um, okay. we're, we're permitted um, by the state to have up to 51,000 cattle here at our facility. Um, and how many do you have? We have about 43,000 here today. You have 43,000 cattle. Yeah. So we. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. And like I said, very few of those are actually owned by us. You know, we're kind of, you know, we're the feed and the caretakers. 
So some of our customers are, are people that have cow calves, like they birth the calves at their own farm and then they feed them out with us. And some people buy them, you know, already um, weaned from their moms and then feed them out the rest of the way. So I've talked a little bit about that on my Instagram that, that, yeah. that, um, so cattle feeding is obviously our main gig, but sure. it's, it, it can also be kind of a short-term investment. It is very risky. And so that's why I like real estate to balance us out. But, um, you know, they're only here for four to six months. So, um, you put a little equity in and then in four to six months, hopefully, um, you, you earn money on that investment. Interesting. How does somebody earn money on buying cattle? Can you give us that little business rundown? Sure. It's, it's, it's actually, once you understand how real estate works, I feel like it's very similar because, um, the feed yard, our business will finance the purchase of those cattle will finance 78%. So if an animal costs a thousand bucks, um, you know, we'll give you, we'll finance 78, 780 of that. So you put in your 220 bucks, we'll finance the feed. So, um, you don't get any bill. I mean, you can get bills, but you don't have to pay the bills until that, that animal goes to the packing plant and uh -huh. then the packing plant will pay you 1300 bucks for that animal. And you'll get your 22% of that as well. And I can't do math off the top of my head, so I'm not sure what that percent return would be. But yeah. um, you know, you'd pay, you settle up with us, we'd pay the bill, and then you get your equity plus whatever you made. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And then, how like uh, how do you keep up with forty three thousand cows? Like, how do you know whose is whose? Are they getting like a staple on their ear? See, like, this is why trick? I should have gone so you guys could see in the background. Um, yeah, that would have been so, so cool. <laughs> So they're all they're all in pins and they're pinned by owner. So we um, and some owners have many pins, but um, that way they're all in cohesive groups. And yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so we and definitely don't do it by ourselves. We have about 55 employees here. Oh, OK, for sure. Cool, cool. Um, question. What was that transition from you from uh, from going to single family homes, right? To investing into syndications. What was, yeah, what, question. what made you think about that? So as I got into looking at the numbers of our, of our long-term rentals, I realized that our return on equity is just not what I was wanting or not what we were hoping for. Yeah. Um, and so like I have enough jobs. I don't feel like I need more things to do and I'm not terribly great at being a landlord. <laughs> so let's outsource that and um, have somebody that's a professional that's really good at being a landlord and let's let them do it. Right. That makes perfect sense. A lot of people don't realize that like you don't have to uh, be a landlord to be involved in real estate. Like people kind of put those one by one, but being a real estate investor and being a property manager is two completely different jobs. So if you if you do both, you're automatically getting into two jobs. So I quickly realized the same thing. Like I'm not here to be a professional property manager. I'm here to be a professional real estate investor. So I need to start creating those systems. It took me like two or three years to kind of figure that out. I'm glad you figured it out sooner. Um, can you give us a little insight into what syndications or how you're doing it, what you can tell us about those for those listeners? Okay, sure. Um, I The first thing I did was I read the, the Hands Off Investor, the book Hands Off Investor by Brian Burke, I believe his last name, um, mm -hmm. which is a bigger pockets or, uh, book, but it was it was a really good introduction into knowing um, at least what the terms were because you know it's like so many other jobs where if you don't know the jargon they know that you're uh, that you don't know what you're doing yeah yeah, um, yeah. and so um, 
yeah, just started talking to other people who I thought might have done syndications before. And um, like we had on the call, Daniel Del Real a couple of weeks ago, and you know, he his advice and all the advice is kind of the same. Find someone that you can really trust and invest with that person, um, regardless of what aspect of syndications that they're doing. So the first few I did were all multifamily um, value add. So they're you know buying apartment complexes, fixing them up, renting them for hire, and then you know three to seven year time commitments on those. Mm-hmm. And then um, this year, we just signed paperwork yesterday to do an ATM syndication. So um, once you get in, once you start learning about this, there's like there's a syndication for anything. But the the one that I'm looking at right now is um, you buy an ATM machine, they set it up for you somewhere, and then like 70 days after you send them your money, they start sending you cash flow back. Mm. Um, because all the syndications that we did. The multifamilies all do cost segregations. So we're going to have tons of tax loss, passive tax loss. And so now I'm looking for passive tax income um, that those losses can cover up. Now, where so are you finding I hope these that, I hope that made sense. I said a lot of things there in a maybe weird order. Yeah, I'll have Diego dig into the details about those in a second. But I guess my last question before I pass it on to Diego is where are you finding these opportunities? I started just Googling. Um, and then I went with people going back to the, find someone you trust and stick with them. I obviously don't know these people, but I I started looking for people that have a lot to lose. So somebody that this is their entire job. And if they, um, if they get taken, then they're going to lose their whole livelihoods. You know, people like that, where, uh, you know, they're going to fight for it because they've got a lot on the line. Makes sense. Got it. Got it. And on those indications, um, I know that you have you can be a sophisticated investor or an accredited investor, but can you explain what an accredited investor is? Sure. And um, I guess not an expert, but my understanding is that there's two ways to be an accredited investor. You make over $200,000 a year or you have a net worth of over a million dollars. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so including your primary home not including your your primary home. Yeah, so it's you have to show that you make at least 250,000 for the last 2 years and then your and then the net worth not including your home. So you're 100% correct on that one. Um but yeah, so you when whenever you do um invest into those kinds of deals, you do have to either show that you're an accredited investor or have some kind of relationship to show that you're a sophisticated investor, which just means that you have some kind of investment expertise. Um, so that's cool. So so then all of these syndications, the idea for you is that you want to invest into them and then three to seven years down the road, you will either get your investment back as they refinance uh, or or and or you're you're still having some passive returns from that, correct? Yep, absolutely. So um, when I run our fire net worth, um, so I that's basically our net worth except without any of our businesses, because if everything hits the fan, I don't want to have to sell to um, cover our mortgage payment. Um, we're about fifty percent of the way there. So my thought was, if we can um, get the syndication ball rolling and do one or two a year. Then that would um, 
eventually that'll get us there, even without having to invest in the other money in the stock market or do whatever. That's awesome. That's I love awesome. That. Now, so, in talk. Um, no, go ahead, dear. Go ahead. Dear. Oh, what I was going to say is uh, in talking about the business that you have with the car wash, um, what um, what is your role in that, and what was like? Did you buy it, or did you start it from 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 scratch? And the reason why I'm asking is because, as we call this podcast, right, Rad Race to Financial Independence. There's a lot of different ways that one can create that financial independence part, and it can come from syndications, from businesses, from cows, so many different things, right? Um, so so yeah, e explain to us a little bit more about the car wash model. Okay, so um, the car wash in our town was already existing. It's been there about 10 years. It is a two, two bays of self-service and one small automatic. Um, and the guy that owned it was an older guy, is an older guy. He's still with us, but um, he wanted to retire. And it had been he on used the market to be for, an old guy. But he's he not dead. <laughs> um, he gets younger. No. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I was afraid he had been on the market for a while and nobody had bought it. And so I was like, well, dang, this guy want, is going to want to move to Texas or whatever. And he's just going to close it up. And then we're not going to have a car wash in our town. Um, so we bought it and um, you know, there was quite a bit of deferred maintenance. So we bought it about a year and a half ago and we're just starting to print black, black ink now. Um, we just had a lot of, of mechanical issues to work through for a while. Um, but we're, we're finally getting there. So I joke that that's my community service project more than it is actually a way to make money. Um, mm. but we, um, we don't have any employees there at the car wash. So I just check it myself and keep it clean. And if something breaks, then somebody from the feeder usually has to help me because I'm not very mechanical or my husband, he's oh. good at that stuff too. <laughs> and then you said you had a laundry mat as well. Nope. Just no, the okay, long terms and the car got wash it. and the car wash. Got it. Okay. That's interesting because a lot of people wonder like how to find those kind of like car washes, laundromat businesses. And I think a lot of times that's more word of mouth than like jumping on LoopNet or something. You know, I think a lot of times, like you said, it's just a small town. Someone knows someone that's selling, uh, you know, an asset like that. So <clears throat> syndications, um, the the investing in that, you said the hold is three to seven years, right? What is your what what are you potentially going to have the return on that? What is the goal with it? Kind of what's like your long-term vision? Once after 7 years you each get your money back and do it again. Kind of give us the vision for that. They all vary on what their expected return is, of course. Um kind of my criteria is is to make 7 or 8% um okay. during the whole period and then um you know whatever happens at the end is is just gravy. So either we can roll that into other syndications or do what pay off our house or do whatever we want there. Um, mm. But most of them, I think, expect like a 1.75 to a 2% or 2, 2x return at the end of your original cash. Got it. Okay. And then do you just plan to reinvest that? What does that look like? I think so. I mean, it just, that's, that's such a long time, it feels like. So it's kind of hard to, yeah. kind of hard to expect like where we'll be in our life in, in three years. Um, we do, have, we have two small kids and, um, yeah, so just I guess trying to get to fire as fast as possible, and then don't really have much of a plan afterwards. Got, got it. it. Got okay. it. Question on regarding the single families homes that you own. Did did you buy any more, or are you still at six? We sold one, so we're actually at five. 
Okay, um, cool. And then kind of my my idea is um, kind of like Felipe is doing to sell the ones that aren't cash flowing as well um, as they come open, because in our market, it, it's way more advantageous to sell as an owner occupied than it is as an investment property. Um, so as they come open, we'll sell a couple of them and I'm hoping to move those into short term rentals, but um, I'm not terribly patient. So I'm just kind of leaving that on the back burner and not thinking about it all that much until um, those people move out. So my next question actually was going to be if how they were doing so that you could either 1031 exchange into other properties or maybe take one of them and invest that money into a syndication. And if you do that five times, all of a sudden you're 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 investing into five different ones. So uh, which later three to seven years on the road, you can get that money back take depreciation and all this other stuff, right? Um, and that's so. one thing that I've kind of been struggling with a little bit with my mom as, as my partner, you know, she's kind of in a different life stage than I am. Um, and so it's kind of hard to want to commit to, um, you know, doubling long-term rentals or doing short-term rentals or whatever. Um, because if she, if she says, you know what, I don't really want to do real estate anymore. I guess I need to work on an exit plan for her. Like, how would I, how would I buy her out? Or would we have to just close the whole business if she decides that she doesn't want to do this with me anymore? That she doesn't want to do it. Right. So what is, Trista, what is your now vision going forward? You want to continue to reach financial independence as soon as possible through long-term rentals and, and cash flow businesses. Do you have any other businesses in mind that you want to get into? If not, let's talk about one of your deals um, that, that you have right now, one of your, one of your, um, one of your cash flowing houses. Okay. Um, no, the, so we've got the feed yard and my, and then the real estate. And then my husband and I also own a farm um, that, and that's where, what his primary job is. He farms right. the ground around the feed yard. So he's like a crop farmer and I do the yeah. cattle. So I guess two different kinds of farming, which oh, probably man. nobody will care about, but the people that farm will know and they'll care. <laughs> how many, how many acres do you guys have? Uh, let's see. The feed yard is on about 400 acres. And then my husband farms about 800 acres. Wow. Oh my gosh. What is that's, that even like? That's, that's small for our neighborhood, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Good enough for us. Cause like I said, we, we've got a lot of kids, so we need to keep somebody at home. Did you say yeah. that's small? Yep. Oh my gosh. I, I can't even imagine what 800 acres looks like. Well, like I said, this area of the state, I mean, there's a lot of big farms around here. Like a couple of our neighbors farm like 30,000 acres. Can you just, can you just like build whatever you want on that? Do you need like... There's no codes in our entire county. You can just build whatever you want. That's what I was going to ask. There's no codes. Like we built our house in 2017. There's no inspections. Like they don't care what, your, <laughs> what size your separate tank is. It's like, yeah, whatever. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> That's insane. Could you build like a little community of houses or like rental properties on your land or is it not, is it not area like that? I'm sure you could. I don't know who would visit there, but I mean, maybe. Rent out an Airbnb, put a two bedroom, one bath on 800 acres, Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dude, I will That's build houses and rent them out by the room. I know. To the Hispanic population. To the oh, the Hispanic house. population. Yeah. yeah. I wonder where they're staying at. That is one tip I was going to share um, about the car wash business is that I've seen a huge, I, I didn't realize this before I bought our car wash, but um, there's a big difference in the demographics and how they wash their cars. So if you ever want to buy a car wash, make sure you're looking at like who lives around you and, and what their preferences are. I don't know if this is like, this might just be anecdotal. It might, I don't know if there's any yeah. actual research, but Hispanic people do the self-serve. 
and all the white people use the automatic. Um, and so if you're in a highly Hispanic area, save your money, buy a self-serve car wash because it should be way cheaper and you'll be just yeah. as busy. Good to know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I could definitely see that even here in my area, like in Antioch, the Latin, more the Latino community, there is a lot more self-service ones. And uh, just taking, I don't want to say like, maybe it is, it's just kind of like taking pride and doing it yourself on your own vehicle. So I could definitely see where you're, where, where you're getting that, that knowledge. Um, All those gringos are lazy. They just do the automatic. <laughs> <laughs> That's that funny. So I love this podcast right now. Um, tell us about your most recent purchase, uh, your most re recent long-term rental, uh, and kind of give us how you found it. Let's dig into the numbers a little bit. Okay. Um, the most recent long-term purchase we bought is actually from our contractor. It was the house that he was living at. He owned two houses side by side. So he lived in a small one and then he was remodeling the bigger one and he had run out of cash and needed to sell them quick. Um, so we bought both of them for, let's, for 129000 the bigger one is a four bedroom and then the small one was a two bedroom. Okay. So he's, he continued to live in the small one um, and we got 650 a month rent from that. And then um, now we have a tenant in the bigger one, but it's a high school friend of mine. So we're getting 900 in rent from that one. How are you funding these opportunities? Are you just like selling an acre from the very back of the land where no one sees? <laughs> no. Um, it's all cash from the houses we had in my, um, from the 1031 exchanges. From the 1031, right, 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 okay. Because we owned those and long enough, we had quite a bit of equity in those, so we never we never had to remortgage them. Are you Which is good, because I really yourself? struggled trying to find banks that want to mortgage houses in these really small towns. Because really? like I said, a lot of the houses, like we bought two of them at auction for 40 grand a piece. And so the bank's yeah. like, call me when you have a mortgage that is, isn't a waste of time, you know, yeah. so small. Maybe. Yeah, they would probably want to refinance like a bunch of them together versus just a $40,000 loan. Yeah. Yeah. And even then they're like, well, we don't really that town, you know, that town's an hour from our headquarters. We don't deal there. So anyway, um, right. but yeah. Do you self-manage? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You. Yep, you do. I do. Oh, okay. But it's we so collect much. all of our rent on um, PayPal and Bimbo. So that's all online. And so the only thing I really have to do is if it's open or if something breaks. Got it. So we're recording this on March 2nd. So yesterday you were getting ping, ping, ping on Venmo. <laughs> I mean, just five times. So not yeah. all that many. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. No, it, that's always good. I like those pings. Um, regarding uh, the auction, you mentioned the auction. What was your experience there? Like to make sure that you did the due diligence on the home, because sometimes you're buying these homes where you haven't even been able to see the inside. Well, we were lucky that um, those auction houses were actually in our hometown. We have, we're in three or four different towns uh, around us. So all within like an hour, but um, those two were actually in our town. And so the, he, that guy was auctioning off six properties. We um, obviously knew the neighborhoods, but we went ahead and drove past them and picked like our top two or three. And they did let us um, go inside and send inspectors. So we were able to do a little due diligence before the auction. Oh, that's cool. And then you had to buy them cash basically, or? We did. I think you wouldn't have to, you had to put down, I think 10% the day of the sale. And then you had like 30 days to close. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. So you would have had to move pretty quickly, but it would have been possible to get funding during that time. Okay. Interesting. And how are you finding tenants in out here in this area? You said you're self-managing. 
Yeah, it's mostly word of mouth and Facebook Marketplace. Um, but the we have a huge housing shortage here. So if I have a house open, um, if I post it on Facebook, it's rented in within two hours, sight unseen. Wow. wow. It's really like that. You can build more houses than over there. You need to build more houses on that 800, 800 acres. 800 acres. <laughs> I know. Felipe and I just think like, boom, opportunity. We're like, huh, how many, how many houses can we start building? <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> how many acres can we buy? How many acres can we buy? That's hilarious. So tenants are easy to find. You're self-managing. Why aren't you buying more? Why, why, why in this indication versus buying more if these houses are working for, for you? Uh, I mean, it's not... I guess that's where I got, I need to learn more about the number crunching or I, I am learning more about that because like I said earlier, my goal with the syndications is to make 8% cash on cash return or, you know, um, annual return. And since yeah. we don't have any debt on these houses, we're not, we're not making 8% cash on cash, um, on most of them. We are on a, on right. a couple, but, right. um, so I think that's where I'm at. I, I, um, that there's there's people that can do this better that can get eight percent that I can't get. So either I need to either I need to get much better at this and buy more, or I just need to outsource it and do something else. I don't think I don't think you have a wrong answer. I just think you have you're in a dilemma where what's the better answer, right? I would if opportunities come about, keep buying, and then um, you know the syndications that you're that you're getting into. So I, I don't think you have a, a wrong answer. I was curious though, what does your husband think about all this? Because are you just like I'm gonna buy this, syndicate that, and it sounds like he's just out there working his working his land. Pretty much. I mean, there's there's always one of those in every couple, right? There's like the money nerd that's like super into it, and then there's the <laughs> other one that's like, yeah, whatever. Don't talk to me about this. Um, yeah. So just we, we balance want. each we we balance each other out really well, and that and I get shiny object syndrome really bad, and so I'll be like, hey, what do you think about this crazy thing? And he's like, no, that's silly. Like, go back to the beginning, and start again. So uh, he, yeah, we we work out well that way. No, I love it because. Same thing. My wife just kind of helps me with like every, like, I'm just like, babe, I just create chaos. And she just kind of makes sure that we don't get thrown in jail. She just kind of makes sure that everything is good. <laughs> yes. That, that's totally, that's totally where we're at. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Like, remember the goal. Like we're not trying to do anything crazy. We're just trying to make sure that we can pay our bills if the business falls, falls apart. Yeah. No, I totally agree. So question for you, if, um, where can, um, where can people find you if they have questions? Because you mentioned there's like syndications about anything, right? Like you said, ATMs and all of that stuff sounds sounds very very interesting. Um, where where can people reach out to you um, to maybe potentially ask you more questions or just hear more about what what you're doing? Sure. I'm yeah. I'm happy to help anybody. Um, I spend most of my social media time on Instagram. I'm um, financially free farmer, and there's a period in between those two, those three words, um, yeah. on there. Yeah. Cool, because I know you post there almost every day. Man, I, think. I was doing really good during your challenge, and then I've kind of fallen off the boat. Right. So I, I, you need to challenge me again so that I can start making. We got to get on it again. That kind of trying, trying to come up with things every day is exhausting. I don't know how you guys do this all the time. It's just I don't know. I either need to lower the standards. Well, my standards aren't very high for on Instagram, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm there. If anybody has any questions, I'm happy to help. No, yeah, Done. that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much, yeah, Trista, awesome. for sharing your story and sharing the things that you've learned, even like within Rad Race or how Rad Race is giving you that level of 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 accountability, but also just sharing your journey on being 
a business owner and also investing in real estate as an accredited investor and all that stuff. That's that's really great. Well, thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. No, awesome. we appreciate it. And then if any anyone who's listening and they want to learn more about syndications and um, you know, long-term rentals or, or even the business that you're in with farming. Like I know that there's people that are definitely interested in like, how does that even work? How to leverage that? Um, so they'll definitely be reaching out. Honestly, Trista, thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys. Do we get to clap again now? Like to end it? <laughs> That's a great ending. <laughs> the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.